Today is our annual uh, Christmas offering, and um, I'll tell you the reason why, and really the, the significance behind why we're doing what we're doing and why we do this each year. You know, when you think about it, um, you know, we live in this consumer uh, culture and society today where it's all about getting, buying, and purchasing, getting things. You know, we're, we're all caught up with Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and we're trying to shop and get the deals, and all that's good and great. But at the same time, so much focus is on the things, so much focus is upon, you know, giving and receiving gift, gifts from one another. And again, all that's a part of celebrating Christmas, but it's not the reason for Christmas. And I believe with all of my heart, the single greatest thing that we can do is to give God our first and to give God our best by presenting Jesus our very best with the greatest gift of all. And that's just the heart of gratitude and thanksgiving for who he is, what he means to us, all that he's done for our lives. And I don't know about you, but you know, I just think there's something powerful and special when we give Jesus the greatest gift, which is our heart, but we give him our first and we give him our very best. Think about this for a moment. God came to earth in the form of a human being. Why? To rescue people like you and me from our sin. The Bible says, God, Emmanuel, which simply means God with us, God literally came to earth in the form of a baby. You ever thought about that? Why did God come to earth in the form of a baby? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, when you think about a baby, what do you think about? You think about, you think about innocence. You think about purity. And the fact that, 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 that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born from a, from a virgin. Think about the significance of that. A baby who's pure and innocent. But what that symbolizes is the fact that that baby is divine. It's the divinity of who God, the holiness of who he truly is. But then you also think about the humanity of the other side of that. Because he became one of us. You see, Jesus was just as much God as he was man and just as much man as he was God. So the fact that God came to earth in the form of a child not only symbolizes his divinity, but also his humanity. And when you think about the impact of that on your life and mine and for all eternity, why would we not want to give him our first and give him our very best? You know, and then the, the angels heard about the, when the angels gave the birth announcement to the shepherds. And they traveled, they went to go see this Christ child. And then the Bible says the magi or the wise men went to a far, traveled a far distance to go see the Christ child. And we, we pick up the, the story in Matthew 2, verse 11, and it says, They, the magi or the wise men, they entered the house and saw that the child, the, the, the child in the arms of Mary, his mother, and overcome, they kneeled and they worshipped him. Then they opened their luggage and they presented gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I find it interesting, those three elements, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Have you ever thought about the, the, the symbolic nature and the significance of those three things? Gold, what does it represent? Well, in the Bible, gold is always associated with divinity. It's always associated with spiritual things, eternal things. And so not only does it represent God's divinity, but gold is also a precious commodity. It's something that has great worth and value. So these wise men, they bring gold. Why? Symbolizing not only the divinity of Jesus, but also symbolizing his worth and his value, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
You think about frankincense. What is frankincense? It's basically, it's like a gum-like resin or substance from a tree. And it was used at times really to, to create a fragrance. It was a, it was a beautiful smell. And, and priests would use it in the tabernacle. And they used it as a burnt offering. They would, they would, they would use incense from frankincense to create this, this smell, this aroma in the atmosphere of worship. And when you think about that significance when it comes to who Jesus truly is. He became the sacrifice. He was the burnt offering that God gave to you and to me so that we could know forgiveness of our sin and have salvation. And then myrrh. What is myrrh? Well, myrrh, once again, was a substance um, very similar to frankincense that came from a tree. But it was also used many times like an oil or it was kind of used, if you will, as a balming agent. And it was often um, symbolized for affliction and suffering. And who could relate to that more than Jesus when he died and he suffered? He went through the pain and the shame, the agony and the affliction upon the cross because he died for your sins and for mine. So gold and frankincense and myrrh were brought as a gift. They gave King Jesus their first and their best. Why? Because that's what he deserved as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so today when you think about why we give, we give because of who Jesus is. We give because of the significance of what he's done for our lives. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about three levels of giving. Now, I think for a lot of us, we might associate giving and generosity to be one and the same, but they're not. They're actually two different things. And let me kind of explain to you what I mean by that. I think for a lot of people, when it comes to the issue of giving, we all, I'm, I'm sure at times, have given. We, we, we maybe like to give. A lot of times we're motivated to give to certain things or certain causes or to help meet specific needs. But I think for a lot of people, even though they may give, I think for a lot of people, they have what I refer to as a scarcity mindset. Let me show you what I mean. So what happens is you have a lot of people who receive, in other words, they receive a blessing, they receive a paycheck from their job, so they, they receive money, but they have this scarcity mindset, and the reason why is because when they get their money, when they receive their income, what do they do? They consume it. So that money goes to all those different things, and therefore, they, become to a, they become, come, come to a place where, where they lack. And the reason why they lack is because they've already consumed what they have received. And so even though they may give, their thinking is, is what I would love to give more, but I can't. And so therefore, there is a sense of fear. They're overwhelmed by giving above and beyond because they say, no, I don't have it to give. There's too much month left at the end of my money I lack therefore I'm afraid to step out in faith and do something and the reason why is because I've already consumed everything that I've received but then there's another mindset and is what I call the abundant mindset what is the abundant mindset the abundant mindset it says you know what God has blessed me God has given great things to me God has provided for me the job and the blessings the income that I have and therefore because he has blessed me and because I have received what God has given to me I'm going to give back letting him know how much I love him how much I trust him how much I honor him and how much I'm going to obey him by giving back what belongs to him referred to as the tithe and so because of that, I'm going to give what I have received, knowing that when I give it, God is going to take it and use it and multiply it 
so that my confidence is increased, my faith grows because now I've seen God at work through this faith experience, through trusting God, God has provided, God has blessed, God has gone above and beyond anything I could think, hope, or even imagine, and as a result, it motivates me to want to give more, and it is a cycle of abundance, or there is a cycle of scarcity. So at the end of the day, we all give. The question is, is there a difference in our lives between what we give and how we give to the point of also being generous with what we give and how we give? So let me break it down for you. There are three levels of giving. And the first, if you take a notes, is this. It is when we give spontaneously. It's when we give spontaneously. One of my favorite, you know, stories, I'm sure you've heard of this passage of Scripture, the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, you have a a Jew that was basically going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and all of a sudden he's attacked by these bandits, and, you know, they they beat him up. They basically leave him for dead, dead. They strip him of everything he's got. And what happens? So you've got this Jew lying there, you know, just hanging on for dear life. And all of a sudden, you have a rabbi, you have a priest, both walk by. They see the man in need. They see the situation. But they, because of inconvenience or whatever, they chose not to get involved. And yet, all of a sudden, now you have this Samaritan who comes along, sees the man broken and bleeding. And, 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 and all of a sudden, this Samaritan, who normally would not have any dealings with the Jews or vice versa, suddenly gets beyond all of that. And what does he do? He spontaneously steps in and he takes care of him. He, he bandages his, 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 his wounds. He, he, he puts him on his donkey. He takes him to, to an inn. And the Bible says it this way in verse 35 in Luke chapter 10. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So in essence, what this man was doing, the good Samaritan was giving spontaneously. He didn't probably wake up that day knowing of the situation, the circumstances that he would be facing or walking into, but because he was available, because he was willing, because he was probably generous in his heart, even as a Samaritan, he said, you know what? In spite of this person being a Jew, here's a need, and spontaneously, this man stepped in to help meet a need and then summon this man's life. And I think we all need to be postured in that way where we are willing and we are available to give spontaneously as needs arrive. I'm sure like many of you, you, you know, like I've experienced over the last week, you know, going to a grocery store like Publix and you got the Salvation Army guy out there, you know, ringing his bell. And what happens? You walk by and you kind of feel compelled to want to kind of pitch in, you know, put something there in the bucket, you know, to kind of help, you know, Salvation Army. You kind of give spontaneously. There's not a lot of thought or prayer given in. You just kind of throw something in there to help out. Or perhaps, you know, you, you got somebody who, who has a need and they set up a GoFundMe account. You say, man, I'm going to do something. I want to help bless them. And so you kind of give spontaneously to that. Or perhaps maybe something significant, you know, a crisis occurs and, and all of a sudden, you know, like disaster happens. Just like when Hurricane Michael ripped through here spontaneously. Spontaneously, as a church, what did we do? We stepped in, we met a need, we gave over $7,000 worth of supplies along with, with taking it and hand-delivering it to the people in need there in the panhandle. That's called spontaneous giving. And I believe there are times in our lives 
but we need once again to have a posture of spontaneity where we're attuned to, to the voice of God. We listen and we hear, but more than that, we act upon what we hear. In other words, we're obedient to the promptings of the Spirit of God that speak to, speaks to us to do something when we can. You guys with me? One of the things that I had the joy of doing the other day, actually it was about two weeks ago, um, a young couple uh, reached out to me, a pastor and his wife, and um, they're fairly new to the area, and they're actually planning a church. They're starting their church in February of, of uh, this coming calendar year, and they reached out to me, and they're planning this church out in the Lake Nona community, not far down the road from where we are. And uh, so they reached out, they just wanted to get to know uh, me and, you know, kind of share with me their heart and their vision of what they were doing and kind of just seek counsel and wisdom and uh, kind of pass along anything that we've learned and so on and so forth. And so in the course of our conversation, God just kind of put it upon my heart to sow into their ministry. And so we, as a church, gave them $1,000 and said, look, this is an opportunity. We just want to sow in, you know, and to help you guys because God's been faithful to us, God's helped, God helped us when we got started by using other people, and we, we just want to sow into you guys. And it was just something just, God just kind of put it in my heart. They sought me out, but I wanted to leave them with something to kind of sow a seed into their future and into their ministry. I'll never forget, I shared in the last service about something that rocked my world when it came to spontaneous giving. And um, I was in Boonville, Mississippi. I don't know if anybody ever, has ever heard of Boonville, Mississippi. But I was invited by a group of uh, churches to come and speak. And we actually met in the rodeo arena in Boonville, Mississippi. And so, um, and so this was years ago before we even started the church. But it was my last speaking engagement before we physically moved to Orlando. And so here I was in the process, you know, well, nearly 15 years of traveling all over the country and around the world as a, as a speaker and author. And, and, um, and so this was my last, you know, kind of like calendared speaking event that I had. And I had employees, had an organization. And, and so we had to basically take about six months to dissolve that before we moved to Orlando to start the church. But in the midst of all that, we also were in the process of trying to raise funds to start the church. And so I was sharing with the pastor who had initially invited me there to Boonville um, in, you know, what we were doing and the timing and the, the amount of money that we were in the process of trying to raise to start the church. And he said, well, man, he said, before you leave town, I'd love to introduce you to this old lady who's just one of the most uh, generous and one of the sweetest ladies you'll ever meet. And so he, set, he got it arranged. So we went over to her house. And um, so we sat down and I was just kind of sharing with her a little bit about what we were doing and the timing of it and the amount you know, that we were, uh, you know, trying to raise. And, and, uh, and so she said, son, she said, could you do me a favor? She kind of like cut me off. She said, son, could you do me a favor? I said, yes, ma'am, what, what do you need? She said, could you, could you reach up in, in that cabinet and, 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 and get me that little box? So I get up from her kitchen table and I walk over to the, to the, you know, to the cabinets in her kitchen and open up the door and I said, is this what you're talking about? And she said, yes. She said, could you, could you give that to me? Well, what it was, it was a little box it was from a bank. It was, it was the checkbook box that you get all your checks in. And so I gave her the box, and she said, could you pull out one of those checks? I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, could you get one of those pins? I said, yes. And so I got the pin. I got her check, and she said, could you do me one more favor? She said, son, she said, I can't hardly see. And she said, my handwriting is so bad. She said, could you write out a check? I said, yes. I said, who do you want me to make it payable to? 
She said, I don't know. You tell me. She said, who do I need to make this out to? I gave her the name of our church because we had just established our 501c3. And so I gave her the name of our church, and she said, would $25,000 be okay? And so I was a nervous wreck. I, you're talking about bad handwriting. I was shaking up a storm. I was excited, confused, and beyond myself writing that check. I'd never written that amount. I didn't know there was that many zeros. And so, you know, it was just, but what I walked away with was spontaneous generosity, overwhelmed by a woman that I didn't even know. She didn't even know who I was, but she was just obedient to the voice of God, and because she was willing and available, she gave spontaneously to sow one of the biggest initial seeds into our church. You know, when you think about spontaneous giving, I've learned this, that whatever you do, you just can't outgive God. Amen? There's a second level of giving, and not only is, it, is, is there giving of spontaneity, but, but also it's when we give strategically. It's when we give strategically. In other words, when we give, we're not just giving. No, we're giving intentionally. We're, we're thinking through it. We're praying through it. But we are very strategic and intentional with what we give, but also how we give it. But most importantly, we know that when we give it, we're giving it as an act of worship. It's like the wise men when they traveled and they went to Jesus and they pulled out of their luggage. They thought through. They were intentional. They were strategic in giving gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why? Because of what it represented. And it was an act of worship. They were overwhelmed by being in the very presence of God. In Isaiah 32 verse 8, it says it this way, but generous people plan to do what is what? Say it out loud. Generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. I think for a lot of us, we're really good at being intentional when it comes to spending our money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's really easy to do. But how intentional and strategic are we when it comes to giving our money? And if you're anything like me, I'm sure in the past you probably have said something like this, and the statement goes, well, I wish I could have done more. Well, the truth is we can do more. We just have to plan for it. And so one of the things we have to do is we have to be very prayerful. We have to be very intentional when it comes to what we give, and more importantly, how we give and why we give it, because we understand that whatever we do, we're doing it as an act of worship. That is the whole purpose for the tithe. It is a system that God created in the very beginning. What did God do? God gave to us his first and his best, his son Jesus, to come into the world to die for our sin, to be our salvation, and to have eternal life. So if that's the tithe, and God demonstrated that and modeled that and exemplified that, why would we want to do anything less than that, of giving God our first and giving God our best? And in order to do that, we have to plan that. We have to be intentional with that. And so what I want to encourage you to do, whatever you have given in 2018, I want to challenge you to set what I refer to as a PGR for 2019. You say, what is a PGR? It is a personal giving record. So whatever amount you gave this, this year, hey, beat it next year with a PGR. And make it intentional. Give strategically. But there's also another area. It is the area 
what I call sacrificially. You see, we give spontaneously, we give intentionally through the strategic giving, but we give with a heart of sacrifice. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky because this is the faith part. This is the trust part. This is the giving part that hurts. This is the part that sometimes stretches us so outside of our comfort zone that we're not sure exactly how it all is going to work. It's called giving sacrificially. One of the greatest examples of this is when Jesus was in the treasury there in the temple and, and uh, people were bringing their tithes into the treasury. And so one day Jesus was there and he was observing. The Bible says in Mark 12, verses 41 through 44, it says Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, Hey, I, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Now, I'll be honest with you, the, past, the pastoral side of me, had I known this lady and known her situation and her circumstances, knowing that she was getting ready to literally give her last dime, give her last form of income that was literally everything she had to live on, I probably would have discouraged her from doing that. But what I find interesting is that Jesus not only watched the people knowing the intent of their hearts, the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's looking at the intention of the heart, and then he sees this widow who comes and sacrificially, she gave everything that she had left to even live on. You would have thought Jesus would have stopped her. But you know why he didn't stop her? Simply because he didn't want to rob her from the blessing that he knew that she was going to receive. And I think so often we're guilty, I know I am, of robbing ourselves of a very blessing, the very blessing that God wants to give to us if we're willing to step out and trust him by faith and honor him in this way. Two people that impacted my life sacrificially. One of them was Michelle's grandmother. Um, for years, her and her husband lived very modestly, um, fixed income, you know, retirement. He was a carpenter and had very, very little to live on. And they were very faithful supporters of our ministry and even to this church until the day they both died. Every, every month, she would send a $25 check. I'm telling you, like clockwork. And every time we would see it, we were always touched, and we would always call, and we would always say, you don't need to do this. Please don't do this. You don't have to do that. We appreciate it. We're grateful, but you don't need to do this. And she would always get a little frustrated with us. And she'd say, just be quiet. This is the way the Lord has blessed me, and I want to bless you. When Michelle and I left Texas and moved to Florida to start our church, as I stated a few moments ago, we had to 
basically shut down and dissolve a form of ministry that we had for nearly 15 years. And a part of that ministry included resources. I had written seven books, and uh, we had um, various resources that were designed to equip uh, families and strengthen relationships between parents and their kids. And so we had boxes and boxes and boxes of inventory because that was the inventory that I used to take with me, you know, as I traveled and spoke to different places. There was a man who was very dear friends with Michelle's grandparents. He was a widow and uh, lived in a nursing home. And again, same situation. Every month he would send us a $25 check. And he was the sweetest, most unassuming man you'd ever met in your life. But faithfully, and sacrificially, he just gave. Well, unfortunately, he passed away. And I'll never forget, um, you know, about three months later, I got a phone call one night out of the blue from our house, at our house. And it was a lady who was the... Um, she was the person who basically oversaw this man's trust. And she said, Mr. Gage, I just wanted you to know that our dear friend Herman has left your ministry 40% of his will. We had no idea exactly what that meant or what that equated to. But let me just say it this way. It was enough to not only pay off all of our indebtedness from the resources that we had from our inventory and to close all the books of our former ministry, but it was a significant investment into the future of this church. And as I look back upon the faith journey that we've been on, I once again want to tell you that I've learned that you cannot outgive a God. God is faithful. God always, always supplies for our every need. And so when I think about the ways that so many people give, I was just talking to a gentleman, the, uh, actually it was about um, a month ago, and um, our team, our Life Kids team over in Lake Nona was telling us about uh, the wear and tear of our pipe and drape. We have a cafeteria and we, we, we uh, drape off the cafeteria to create the four different environments for the Life Kids area over there. But because of the portable nature and the wear and tear of the pipe and drapes and because of the, really just the, the manpower it requires to put it all up and take it all down, um, it had kind of, you know, taken its toll. And so uh, we, we found and discovered kind of a different approach and a different uh, source to be able to create walls and boundaries. And, and basically what it is is these portable walls, but the problem was is the cost of these portable walls, $15,000. So I'm having a, a conversation with a gentleman, and he said, well, how much are the walls? I said, they're $15,000. He said, well, go ahead and get the walls. I'm going to take care of that. And I thought to myself, Wow. Not only was he spontaneously, but also knew this individual, and sacrificially, he gave to meet a need that God has blessed our church with. And here's what he said. He said, I remember the impact my Sunday school teacher made on me when I was a kid, and I want to sow into the next generation of those children. You know, it's just incredible what God can do. So when you think about our Christmas offering. We're giving God our first. We're giving God our best. We're giving Him our heart. We're giving Him our, our, our gratitude. And we're saying, God, before anything else, before Macy's, before, you know, before, you know, the toy store, before, you know, whatever, God, I'm giving you my first and I'm giving you my best. 
So I just want to say this in conclusion because there have been people who've been faithfully sacrificing two years ago when we introduced a potential land opportunity in Lake Nona. We had people that sacrificed. You know, to this date, two years into it, people have been faithful in honoring the pledges that they made. And to date, we have $166,700 that we've received in the last two years from the sacrificial, faithful generosity of people sowing into our future that's incredible to me and so here's what I want to just share with you as we wrap up our time together today that God has prompted me to do um, we were in Dallas for Thanksgiving seeing family and um, we were over at one of we were over at one of Michelle's sister's house and she was um, showing us something that was really cool. And I would encourage you to maybe check it out. It's called myintent.org. And so she had bought this little box from myintent.org. And what it is, this, this necklace I'm holding, or excuse me, I have on my neck here, basically has a word. And so basically the concept is, in fact, guys, can we show this, this show the picture here on the screen? This is Michelle's. That was her. That was her verbiage. There, she put "choose joy" on hers, and uh, show the next screen where it's kind of it's kind of like a little boomerang thing we got off the iPhone there. But basically, that's how how you do it. So they give you these little things that you you know you kind of chisel, if you will, the word that is your intent. It's 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 the intentional thing that you're going to kind of claim, or it's the intentional. Um, belief that you're going to embrace and, and, and you're going to be intentional about living that out, whatever that is. Whatever you're believing for, you kind of just summarize it in a word. And so Michelle and I both came up with our words. And um, one of the things that God put on my heart a couple of months ago, I don't have time to go into all the details. I just want to say it this way. I had somebody from our church that came she may be in this service. I don't, I don't know if she's here today or not. But she came up to me one day and she spoke something in to me. And honestly, when I walked away, I didn't think about it a whole lot and didn't, had no clues to what she was even emphasizing. But I have yet to let that go. It was a statement that she made. She spoke something into me and I'm telling you, God used it in a profound way. What happened was, is that God had been stirring something in my spirit, and what she said was a confirmation. And here's what happened. Somebody had introduced me to a lady who represents one of the top literary agents, agencies in the country. And this lady had heard about the series and had, was intrigued by the series that we did a number of months ago called Family Shift. She said, you need to put that into a book. And so um, I said, well, you know, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna, they don't even know who I am. You know, I don't have the big platform and this and that. She said, don't worry, but she said, that's my job. You just get me a proposal together. So we sent her a proposal. I just signed a book contract with the third largest publisher in the world. And the book is coming out on September the 19th of 2019. So I got a lot of work to do between now and then. 
But I'm going to tell you this. Through that, I received a significant advance of royalties from the contract of this book. And we are giving more than a tithe of this advance to sow into the future of this church and the future of our land. And the word that I have on my necklace here is the word shift. Because that's what I'm praying for is that there's going to be a shift of momentum that will be unstoppable in this church. That there'll be a shift among families all over this nation, spiritually and morally, all around the world that will be impacted through the ministry that we're gonna be launching in addition to this church for this coming year that's gonna help strengthen and build up families, not just here, but around the world for the glory of God. So I'm saying all that to say, I'm telling you, when you step out in faith and you just trust God, you cannot outgive God. And so let's give God our first and let's give him our best and let's trust him with all the rest. Amen? We serve a good, good God. Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer.